The Sacramento Kings come back from the All-Star break and despite a extremely slow start, beat the extremely shorthanded Portland Trailblazers 133-116 in a game that I, I just had a feeling that the Kings were not going to start well because that's just what they do against teams that they should beat. I don't know why it's like that, but it seems like that happens every time. But if you don't know, the Blazers were stuck in bad weather. They couldn't take off. So they actually had to leave the day of the game from Portland to get to Sacramento. And they got to Sacramento, I think, like four and a half hours before tip-off. And that meant that they rested their two best players, uh, Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant, because they just didn't want them getting injured, I guess, not going through their normal routines. But they were already going to be without Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, and Justice Winslow. So missing four-fifths of their starting lineup plus Justice Winslow, who is a good bench player for them. And I, I think he started games this year, but I don't think he would have started in this game because of the trades they made. But the Blazers came out and put up a 19-4 to run to start the game. And the Kings were getting good shots, but, but Portland was playing a zone. And they played a zone almost the entire game, which is something you just never see in the NBA. Just zones the entire game. And the reason you don't see it is because NBA teams are just too good for it. They're too good at figuring out how to exploit it. And the Kings kind of showed why. Because, yes, they did have a, a slow start. But even in that slow start, they were getting uh, good shots and just weren't knocking them down. And then they really figured out how to exploit the zone and then got going offensively. But it was the defensive end that obviously was a little more concerning and... You know, I, I knew somebody was going to go off for the Blazers, right? The, some role player was going to step up. And in this game, it was Nasir Little, who went 5 for 9 from 3, had 26 points. And he could just he couldn't miss to start this game. And a, lo a lot of the guys on the Trailblazers couldn't miss, Cam Reddish included, at the start of this game. And so the them knocking down 3 after 3... Like Matisse Thibel, who's not that great of a shooter, knocking down a three. That's not that concerning because you figure that they'll start missing and it'll things will swing back the other direction. But then what was concerning was later on in that first quarter, the Blazers started attacking the paint and very they did it very effectively. It was just a little too easy for guys uh, to get space inside. Drew Eubanks was getting a lot of space inside uh, at not necessarily in the first quarter, but throughout the game, there's times when uh, Watford was just going at Chemezi Metu one-on-one. -on -one. That was the whole Blazers offense. Every single time down was Watford going at Metu one-on-one because Metu just could not defend him. And that's why I don't really understand why Metu still gets minutes. I think at this point of the season, it's not going to change. And Metu's going to be the backup big, unless he starts really playing horribly. But I just don't, I don't think he should be the backup center. I think Rashawn Holmes and Alex Len and or Alex Len 
would be a better option, Alex Len, to guard the bigger centers. So maybe not in this game, but Rashawn Holmes would be good for this game, I think. I think Rashawn Holmes, Holmes just needed time to get back into the groove of things and to settle into a bench role, but he never really got that opportunity, which was disappointing to me, and I don't think he's going to get that opportunity uh, late in this season because Mike Brown won't want to switch things up. But it was concerning how much they were exposing Metu on the defensive end of the floor. Metu was started off the game actually contesting shots uh, at the rim well, and he forced a few turnovers, but then after that it just went terribly. But I will give him some credit for being part of the bench unit that did bring energy to the game when the Kings were down big in that first quarter. First, first quarter leads, first half leads just don't mean much in the NBA, but the Kings bench did a really good job of bringing it back, providing energy, especially Terrence Davis, who had 20 points in this game. He went four for five from three. He brought chaos like he always does. He was turning the ball over, but he was also making things happen, being energetic, and he was the spark that that we needed in this game. So a lot of credit goes to Terrence Davis they, the, that bench unit, they didn't bring it all the way back because the defense still wasn't great. And like I said, still turning the ball over a lot. Sabonis had five turnovers in this game, and a lot of them were early in the game with that when he was playing with that bench unit. So a lot of turnovers. That That's another thing that really killed the Kings in that first quarter. But it was a very good response by the Kings in the second quarter where they ended up taking a pretty good good lead into halftime and actually before that at the end of the first quarter there was uh, a some good there's a good defensive play that led to a Trey Lyles three that brought it within eight and a few good plays before that to I mean that was a big swing getting the steal into a three to cut into that lead make it only an eight point lead was big and then they just carried that on into the second quarter where, like I said, they outscored the Blazers 37-20. to 20. I don't really think that there were many poor individual performances. It was just the team not being very good defensively, but I thought a lot of guys played uh, pretty well offensively, individually. Harrison Barnes was big in bringing the Kings he brought them to within two with uh, two straight baskets. One of them was an and one, although he missed the free throw. But he did a good job being aggressive. Fox, it was him and Fox. That was the duo that led us all the way back uh, into the game and, and getting it tied and then taking the lead. And the defense got better, but it, it still wasn't great. It got better, though, obviously, from the first quarter, still letting the Blazers get to the rim a little too much. But... The Blazers team is it's not that talented. So they started missing. And it was kind of as simple as that. They just started missing and our offense got going. Sabonis, so although he was turning it over, that was the only bad part of his game. He was doing a good job of attacking the smaller Trailblazers team. I thought that Malik Monk made a really good impact. It was good to have him back. 
Uh, he had 18 points in this game. He had uh, 15 points in this game. And like Terrence Davis, just was energetic. And that's something that this team needed uh, after the slow start. And then Trey Lyles was also a part of the bench unit that brought that energy like he normally does. And, and in that second quarter when the Kings were tied, he took that kind of semi-transition three-point shot that he always takes, where if he made it, the crowd would have gone crazy, but he missed it. Uh, so the Kings couldn't quite get the lead there, but he, he always takes that shot. And it's the funniest thing to me. Because I just, I always can tell if he's going to shoot or not. And it's the type of three-pointer that if the Kings aren't on a big run, he probably wouldn't take it. So that that's the funniest part to me. I thought another part of the improved Kings defense was Sabonis did a really good job of protecting the paint uh, in that second quarter and also in that second half of the second quarter especially because he wasn't playing in the first half of the second quarter. So when he came in in that second quarter, he did a really good job of defending the paint. And then the guy I haven't mentioned because I was waiting to mention him till I started talking about the end of the second quarter when the Kings went on, kept going on a run pretty much to take a pretty big lead into halftime. I think it was like eight points after being down 15 early it was Keegan Murray who had like four great plays down the stretch of that second quarter. One of them was him getting in his bag, uh, getting into the mid-range, I think it was like a behind the back, into a little one-leg fadeaway. I was like, okay, I didn't know he could do that. He said uh, that Fox uh, was always making fun of him for not really having a bag at all. And... Then Keegan said, that was before the Rising Stars game. And he's like, okay, in the Rising Stars game, I got to show him something. And then he proceeded to do nothing in the Rising Stars game. So I guess he was just waiting until now to pull that out. But then after that, he then attacked the rim and dropped it off to Sabonis in the dunker spot. And then Sabonis got an easy uh, little hook over Eubank. And then on the last two possessions... Keegan got a block on a three-point shooter, which is a pretty crazy block, onto Cam Reddish, who's like 6'8", and Keegan wasn't even near him, and somehow got all the way out with his length to get the block on a pretty lengthy player. And then, uh, on the last play, De'Aaron Fox got into the mid-range, was short on his jumper, but Keegan got in there for the offensive rebound and was able to put it back up just in time to beat the buzzer. So really big plays from Keegan Murray to really get us all the momentum heading into the second half. I was never worried about the Kings in this game. I was just annoyed that they had started slow, but I figured that they would come back and win this. But what surprised me was how fast they came back into it, how they were down 15 early and then were able to take a pretty big lead into halftime. In the third quarter, the Kings let the Trailblazers stick around a little longer than I would have liked. And I think a large part of it is due to the Kings' defense being just reactionary instead of being proactive. And what I mean by that is 
Nasir Little was the only offense that they had in that third quarter. And the Kings were just kind of not making him uncomfortable. They were just letting the shots happen. They were letting the Trailblazers offense happen happen instead of trying to disrupt it um, early. And this is a problem that the Kings have had all season of just being reactionary instead of proactive. And I thought a really good example of it was Nasir Little had just knocked down like two shots. He came around a screen, and first of all, the Kings gave him way too much space. If the pass came sooner, he could have just knocked down an open three. But Fox was able to get out to him. But, you know, it's a Nasir Little's a pretty big wing, right? So he has the length over Fox, and Fox just kind of stood there back from him. Nasir Little had been taking the shot in the center of the floor every single time. If you let a guy just stand there who is on fire, just size up his shot, mostly when there's a 6'3 defender on him, I mean, he's he's going to make it. Like, Fox has to just get up into him, make him uncomfortable, make him drive by you, which he hadn't done all game. Make him prove something that he can drive by you and make something happen. But instead, you just let him take the open jumper. And that's where the Kings defense has to improve. Like, make him drive by you, and then everyone else has to realize that, okay, Fox is getting up on him. He's probably going to drive by Fox, which is fine, because then everyone else should be ready to rotate once they see Fox get up on him. And at that point, everyone should be ready to know that they're going to have to rotate and help. And that's what I mean by being proactive, but the Kings just don't do that. They're like, oh, a guy just drove, and then they react. Instead of being, like, forcing something to happen and being ready to stop it, but instead they let the Trailblazers run their offense and then react to it. But the Kings offense, of course, always the saving grace in this because Terrence Davis came out, continued to be on fire. Harrison Barnes had a really solid game, 15 points, got to the free throw line a few times and just kind of did his thing. And then it was Fox takeover at the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter. He absolutely took over earlier than uh, we're used to, which was nice to put the game away because we do have a game, a back-to-back, and we have to travel to LA. So good to get the guys a little rest. Fox only played 26 minutes in this game, which is nice, and he had 31 points. He had uh, rolled his ankle early in this game around the 8, 7 or 8 minute mark of the first quarter, and he looked to be limping around the whole game, but then he would get the ball and just explode to the rim. And so it didn't seem to be hindering him but it did seem to be bothering him a bit when uh, he was just walking around. So hopefully nothing to worry about there, but we'll see. I feel like he always kind of walks like he's limping, but there's definitely something going on with his ankle. But it it didn't matter within this game because he was just getting whatever he wanted. And there was a point where he didn't get a call that he wanted. Uh, Keon Johnson was being very physical with him and then someone else was as well and they got a steal off him 
So then the next uh, defensive possession, he was like, okay, they're being physical with me. He did the exact same thing to Keon Johnson, got the steal, came down the other end, and just put his shoulder into Keon's uh, chest and drew the and one in transition. And I just loved that play. That was the best play of the game because he's like, well, they're not going to call it on one end. I'll just do the exact same thing and then just absolutely bully this uh, young guy who is smaller, weaker than me. He was getting to the rim at will, getting to the mid-range, knocked down a couple threes. It was an absolute master class from De'Aaron Fox, who scored 30 points for the fifth straight game now, which is a record in Sacramento history, not in franchise history, but in Sacramento history. The last guy to do that in franchise history was Nate Archibald in 1975, I believe. Sabonis also got his triple-double. He had a double-double by halftime and ended up with 18, 18, and 10, along with three steals. He now has the franchise record for most triple-doubles in a season with seven. So our two All-Stars just breaking records here. And we just took care of business against the team that we obviously should beat, even if they're healthy, but especially when they don't have their pretty much their entire starting lineup. And I thought another thing I wanted to mention was I thought Keegan, I thought he played really good defense. There was times, uh, there's one play where I think it was Cam Reddish, uh, pump faked late in the shot clock, kind of stepped back, pump faked, uh, and Keegan didn't bite on it. And that was, it's a play that I just see Keegan bite on so many times where he plays good defense and then bites on that pump fake and he he didn't there and that got me really hyped just watching that defensive possession from him and I think overall he just played really good defense he had two blocks and so it's nice to see him developing on that side of the ball another thing that was just really nice was in that fourth quarter at the start of it when the game was still somewhat in the balance right not garbage time there was just a point where I was like man, I want Keegan in, I want Harrison Barnes in, but then I'm like, well, who do you take out? Like, I felt like everyone was playing well, and we actually have a deep team. Like, that realization that it's like, I actually want players in from the bench, but I also don't want to take anyone out because I feel like we actually have a lot of good players. So that's that was a nice feeling, especially when we're playing a team where they have Cam Reddish, who they traded for. They have Matisse Thibel, who they traded for. Two guys I wanted the Kings to trade for. So, yeah, I feel better that, you know, we don't need to, we didn't need to trade for anyone. Although it, it would be nice to have a guy like Matisse Thibel or Cam Reddish or Josh Hart. You know, just one of these wings that got traded, a Josh Richardson. It just seems like the Kings could have gotten one of them for, you know, some second round picks that they have, but we do have a good enough team to, I think, maintain our position in the standings. And, you know, whatever happens in the playoffs happens. And then you kind of look to the offseason to get better. Because uh, Shams was talking about how the Kings have assets to make a big splash in the offseason. And that got me a little excited. But, you know... that. 
still want to focus on this season, but I can't help but get excited by that, even though it might not happen. But just him saying that we could make a big splash, it's like, that's exciting. Looking ahead to the next game, as I mentioned, the Kings uh, are on a back-to-back against the Clippers. The Clippers uh, did not play today. Today was the first games back from the All-Star break. So they will be very rested, but sometimes that can be a bad thing for teams, I think. Being, you know, too rested and rusty. So hopefully that's where the Kings can capitalize. But uh, the Clips should be playing all of their players. I think Zubats might be out. Uh, That's what it says in the injury report that was updated today. And I'm guessing they wouldn't have put him as out uh, if he was actually going to be playing because they didn't have a game today. So why would they do that? But other than that, they'll have Kawhi. They'll have Paul George. They'll probably have Russell Westbrook, which is interesting. You know, I actually think that that's an underrated move which is weird to say because it's Russell Westbrook. How is it underrated? But I feel like people aren't really thinking that that's going to make that much of a difference for the Clippers team. But I think that Westbrook is still extremely good and that he was just he just didn't fit on the Lakers. But on the Clippers, I think that's a team that's built much better for a guy like Russell Westbrook. They can surround him with shooters, and the Clippers are a team that needed a point guard, and they got a good one who's going to attack the basket and play make. And as long as I think as long as Westbrook knows his place when it's clutch time, I think he's going to be a really good addition for them. But the Clippers, they made a lot of good additions at the trade deadline. They brought in Bones Highland, who I guess will be their backup point guard. And they brought him in for cheap. And he's a good young player who is just a scorer. I know the reason that the Nuggets didn't really want him was because they felt like he had bad shot selection. But still, he can catch fire. And then they got Eric Gordon, who obviously can still score very well, is a really good shooter. And they got Mason Plumley, who, you know, I've kind of clowned on Plumley in the past. But as a backup big, I mean, he's possibly the best backup center in the game. Just him starting is not the best, but as a backup big, he's really good because he's a really good passer and rebounder, solid defender. So he's a really good addition for them, Uh, especially if Zubats is out here, then he'll start. And they didn't have a backup center before, so they filled that very well. And they did. They just got a lot of additions for very cheap, and they were a deep team that got even deeper. It's going to be an extremely tough game for the Kings, but I feel like the Kings always play well against the Clippers in L.A., but just looking at the Clippers team, they just seem way too good. And I I think I'd probably have them as, I don't know, second favorites in the West, maybe tied favorites with the Suns, because if Kawhi and PG are healthy, they are just a very, very good team. Anyways, that is it for this episode of The Roll Report. Good to be back from the All-Star break. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore The Roll Report. And I will see you guys next time to recap the game against the Clippers. Peace.